Paul, what you've written just isn't fair. Not fair. That's right. When I was growing up in Bakersfield, my favorite thing in all the world was to go to the movies on Saturday afternoons for the chapter plays. Cliffhangers. I know that, Mr. Man. They also call them serials. I'm not stupid, you know. My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we, we are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode fucking 50. We got to 50. Can you believe it? And I, okay, so now I can. But mm-hmm. when we started this, I thought that we would keep up with it and do a couple episodes yeah. a month. And But we have not missed a mm-hmm. Monday. Even back in September when we went through the audio crash. The great yeah. audio crash the of September 2019. Crash. It was awful. We had to re-record. Yeah. This is one of the ones we had to Actually, re-record. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, with that, we almost pushed it out Mm -hmm. to that Tuesday or Wednesday. But we were like, you know what? Put it up. Mm -hmm. People will listen to us. They like us. Things happen. And that's that. Exactly. They can skip that episode if they really don't want to. It's been a journey. Like, it's so interesting. Like, I have always known that I've been a horror fan. Mm -hmm. But when you are constantly Mm -hmm. in the world of horror, and I mean, I would I was a casual horror watcher. Like, we would watch something and talk about it, but it wasn't, like, every single week. Yeah. Every single weekend. Yeah. Or whatever, you know? And now it is, like, a second job. Granted, we don't make money, but that's not why we did this in the first place, and that's not why I'll ever do this. No, I totally agree. This is finally one of those things, you know, people tell you, do what you love. And this feels like something that I could do forever because I love it. Money or not. Yep. And if we ever get a sponsor, that would be great. But (laughs) beside that, I mean, the fact that we have regular people, like, or regulars that listen to us and interact with us and talk about movies with us. They really seem to care about us. That's all we wanted. Yeah. Like, was a little, even if it was just, like, four or five people that we met through this. And Either way, though, we were going to just do it. Oh, yeah. But then we found you guys. We could have gotten one stream and i literally we joked we were like it's gonna be our moms that's just and then it wasn't even our moms our moms didn't even listen (laughs) yeah so it's just been a really fun journey and i'm excited to go into year two because we have a lot of cool stuff planned and ready and Mm -hmm. we also like this movie it's one of those where like we put these iconic movies on the list that we haven't even seen in a long time and we get to revisit those and talk about them and this is one of those movies for me yeah i've seen it it's been a really long time i was really young i remember liking it Mm -hmm. but i haven't read it i know you have yes i did read the book and i just couldn't wait to watch it and when i was watching it i was so giddy and it was almost childlike and that right there and getting to talk about it even if i don't have a ton to say and i'm just like i just like the movie i don't know is fun and worth it and exciting and Mm -hmm. we get to post it and talk about it with people that are like-minded horror fans Mm -hmm. and that's just really cool so thanks for letting us do that and and giving a shit but more than that let's uh talk about misery from 1990 yep i love this movie i love kathy bates yeah she is freaking amazing if they i literally could not imagine anyone else playing the role of annie no when she got her oscar people who have seen it she said sorry about the angles (laughs) dude in her speech i watched this with katie and sierra my Mm -hmm. roommates and they had never seen it before Mm -hmm. they misery is one of those things that's like you hear about it and it's in pop culture but you just never get around to it yeah Yeah. or if like your parents watched it one time and Mm -hmm. you were kind of like in the next room or whatever i've seen it parts of it yeah because i mean i i wasn't born when this came out 
So like, <laughs> I was. That's why she's acting like that. <laughs> so you know, it wasn't one that I watched throughout. You know, it, it. I didn't grow up with it because it was a little before my time. And my my dad liked horror, but my mom didn't. And this wasn't really his kind of horror, but he still liked it. So I didn't really watch this. I watched this because you kind of, like I said, always hear about misery. And Mm -hmm. it was just on TV one day. I feel like I say that in almost every episode. It was on TV and I just watched it. But that's what happened with this one. That's the best way to delve into it. You don't know what to go get to watch. So TV just kind of hands it to you. Especially when Video and Tan Express won't give you rated R movies without your parents. (laughs) I still can't get over that name. I'll never get over that name. It was just Video Express. But then I think the... Tan. Well, I think think really what happened was the video rental was dying. Mm -hmm. Because this was around the time that Netflix came out with their DVD to home service. Got it. And so, like, my dad did that. You could, and before streaming, mm-hmm. which Netflix started streaming in 2007. So this was probably, like, 2005, 2006. So you could get a DVD to Net- from Netflix, you know, because, like I said, streaming didn't start for a couple of years after they did this. And then you could just send it back and pick a new one. Mm-hmm. And so I think the reason that they added tan onto it was because they needed something else to help supplement their business Mm -hmm. since the video rental business was dying which is sad but i've noticed that a lot now being in a smaller more impoverished town when i moved that there are u-haul places in the weirdest there was a comic book (laughs) store that was also a u-haul store and i'm like what the fuck probably because they're trying to supplement their income yeah i think so too i think if you find something that you can franchise or add to a small business Mm -hmm. It helps get you that boost so you can keep doing what you love. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I work a nine-to-five, so I can do this. Yeah, fair. <laughs> like, you know, not completely 100% sure. I did my eight-to-five before, and I'll probably do my eight-to-five after or at mm-hmm. the same time. But, you know, it's like, I do that, and then I buy mics, and I need a new computer and all this shit for mm-hmm. the podcast because that's something I really love doing. And exactly. so I'll continue to put money into it even if I don't make anything. So. Which is not a good ROI, but that's okay (laughs) because that's not why we did this. (laughs) So if you don't really know this movie, it's actually a very simple concept. It's a very simple movie Mm -hmm. at the surface. When you get down into Annie Wilkes' psyche, Mm -hmm. that gets complicated, but the movie doesn't give you a lot of time to do that. You just know that she's crazy about this author that got into a car wreck near her that she's essentially been stalking. Mm -hmm. And she gets him out of the car and brings him home and wants to nurse him back to health and also uh, kill him for love. So there's this progression of she's this sweet nurse taking care of this man that's injured. His legs are fucked. Mm -hmm. They're nasty looking. They're way worse in the book, too. Like what Mm. you see in the movie compared to what he explains in the book. Ooh. They're, like, gangrenous. She didn't set them right at all. Like, his legs are pretty straight in the movie. No, they are fucked in the book. There's something up with his kneecap. It's all messed up. Oh, my God. I can't deal with kneecap stuff. Teeth and kneecaps and Achilles tendons. Yeah. Ooh, that's the worst part. That's my Achilles with horror. So, let me just... (laughs) I have to go off for a second because I just need to share with you guys this stupid fucking phobia that I have. I have this irrational fear of my calf muscles, okay? Really? I don't even know this. Oh, God. All right, so if you guys, I mean, it's your body. I'm sure you've seen your calf muscle just hangs there. It's connected by a tendon on the top, by your knee underneath, and then it's connected by your Achilles tendon. That's it. So if one of those fails, your muscle will snap up inside your body. Now, the chances of it failing are 
pretty slim just naturally. It I'm just sure it doesn't happens. happen. But that thought fucking terrifies me. I will sit there sometimes and just be thinking about my calves all the time. That's and I just so move around. Funny. Con- Connor is so mean. So you know how they, they dangle like that? Like, He'll like play like with my one. calf muscle. It makes me gag. I'm like, oh, stop that. <laughs> So, if anybody is stalking us and wants to torture Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> that is my irrational fear. You don't even have to do anything. All you got to do is come up behind her and snap, 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 snap. No, <laughs> don't do that. Calves are so gross. Well, speaking of, like, the scene that gets everybody is the scene where, I'm sorry I'm not doing a very thorough walkthrough, but just talking about the movie. I think it's better when we just talk. Yeah, well, this movie literally is. She gets this author. She's obsessed with him. She's read all his books. He writes a character. Her name is Misery, and she has all the Misery novels. In his manuscript that she gets out of his car, he kills Misery, and she loses it. Different book. The manuscript is something else he writes that she makes him destroy. The Misery book that she buys in town. Oh, I see. Yeah, right, right. Okay. So she reads that Misery dies, and he... Yeah. she, She has a meltdown, and basically starts torturing him and it gets worse and worse and worse progressively like his legs are broken both of them incredibly horribly and she'll like drop she dropped a ream of paper on him or it just like things like that but the scene that everybody talks about is when she puts a plank basically between his ankles Mm -hmm. and smashes them with a sledgehammer sideways both of them and i know that you watch bravo's 100 scariest movie moments yes do you remember this being on it yes do you remember what position it was what pos- oh, what number it was yeah because it's actually i have that Shit. and it's Ooh, really high let me think okay hmm i'm gonna say 15 you're really close it was number 12 what yeah. i'm that close that i mean close. there's 100 of them yeah I'm fucking good. I'm sorry. I'm just amazing. <laughs> but the fact that that wasn't even, like, there's nothing supernatural in this. There's nothing, like, creeping around a corner. Most of this happens during the day. It's not that kind of horror. And for that scene to make it to the top of, like, a scariest movie moment, yeah. this movie is, like, disturbing in a it could actually happen. It has actually happened. Like, there are people that unfortunately even in the united states like people kidnap and this is going really deep let's just look at human trafficking for example yeah take away the stalker aspect of it people are confined against Mm -hmm. their will and tortured on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and then this is kind of like the crazy fan crazy woman Mm -hmm. like obsessed with this writer and she has a temper i guess you could say but it's goes way beyond that oh yeah she goes off and then she hits him or breaks his ankles or snaps and yeah yeah and so he's confined in this actually it's in colorado is where it's set Mm -hmm. this farm and it's snowing and people are looking for him but she's pretty remote Mm -hmm. so it's pretty a slim chance that he's gonna be found and if he is going to be found like in the movie it's after some shit's gone down yeah i'm sure in the book as well yeah and so this is a true like horror that happens yeah i mean he even not so much he keeps his wits together pretty well in the movie but in the book he loses at a point like he keeps calling her the goddess because he's so stockholm and he there's one point where he just starts like ringing bible verses and childhood rhymes and the goddess and all of this stuff together and it's like half a page long of him of just no periods no 
nothing. Just, going just him on. going up. You can see that he snapped. Well, I think, you know, Stockholm Syndrome, if you don't know, I think most people do, is if you were to be kidnapped, for your body to put up with that trauma, you basically develop a mental disorder. Mm-hmm of being attached and start like this love for them so there are a lot of people that when they break away from their kidnappers they don't want to leave and they miss them and they quote unquote love them but it's just because their minds have created that as a defense mechanism to deal with what's happening and in the movie paul that's the author he acts like he loves her and appreciates her but as soon as she walks away he's like plotting his escape where it sounds like in the book he does get stockholm syndrome yeah i mean even to a point in the movie with this is great and i would have much loved this one much more he hides all of his pain medication and he ends up pouring it all in this little paper bag so that he can drug her later so he doesn't get messed up with the painkillers he does in the book it's bad he gets so addicted to them that he is really messed up for a long time well i think we all know that you don't like stephen king i do not you made that very clear in it (laughs) hate stephen king you're vehemently against stephen (laughs) king as a human being but talk about since you've read more of the books the only only two stephen king books that i have finished are carrie Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. and surprisingly it most people start that and don't finish it because it's like a (laughs) million years long but I really loved it. But that's beside the point. If you couldn't hear in our garbage audio from It, I yeah, love the book. <laughs> sorry, you guys. But talk about Stephen King's self-reflection in the character of Paul. So this is typical Stephen King. Almost basically all of his books, there's a character that is him. And like in The Shining, it's Jack Torrance. Mm-hmm. In this, it's Paul. And the reason that it reflects so well with Stephen King's life is he was a drug addict and that's what this is all about this isn't so much about the crazy fan yes he has had those that's not really what it's about this is about his dependency on drugs and how to get out of it mm-hmm. and it has beaten him on more than one occasion that's what this book is about and that actually took him decades to come out and finally admit even though people knew i think you have to be on some type of drug to write some of the shit that he's written child sex scene yeah yeah. Yeah. The it gangbang was very not needed. In yeah. fact, my audio skipped it. It must have known I didn't <laughs> want to fucking hear it. So, and also you made a point about his, the way he writes women. Yes. And, and your perception of that. And not even just perception, but like, it's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. Like, even in this one, once again, we either have women that are evil, stupid, fat, lazy, or all of them. Mm-hmm. And Annie Wilkes is... Straight up crazy. Fat and stupid. Mm-hmm. And can be a little evil. And even in... I keep going back to It, but that is like my Stephen King, you know, yeah. experience other than Carrie. And we all know that Carrie was... Fat well, actually... And stupid and I was about to say, if you didn't read the book, you probably don't know because Sissy Spacek is... I mean, she's kind of weird looking for the movie, but she's yeah. beautiful and thin and mm-hmm. blonde and all of these things that were you know popular obviously in the 70s mm-hmm. and in the book she's not no she's, she's fat and dumb and evil exactly right <laughs> and even in it bev is not what she is in the movies like she's a little bit more the bev in the book in chapter two but like as a child she's a lot more headstrong like she pretends to be in the book mm-hmm. but internally 
she's not. But yeah. they portray her in at chapter one as kind of being a stronger force within when really all the boys in the book just have a crush on her. And that's the extent of their, yeah. you know. And she's so mentally damaged that she thinks that the only way to get them out of these sewers is to have sex with all of them. That's horrible. And she does. That What a great female role model. Thank you, Stephen King. But yeah, he, that's just how he has crossed the board with women in his books. It's mm-hmm. really sad. I think he's gotten better as he's gotten older because now he's actually, like, if you follow him on Twitter and stuff, he's, like, a huge proponent for women and the Me Too movement he was and all these things. And I think that he's doing a lot of atonement at this point in his life. I hope so. For some of the things that he's said and written. And I don't necessarily think that he's proud of it. I mean, I know in It, he was like, yeah, my ending was not that great. Mm-hmm. You know, he said that. So that aside, though, he writes damn good story, in my opinion. I mean, all I can think with that child sex scene is not only the drugs, but also he had gotten so big that nobody was going to tell him no. And he tested that fact and no one fucking told him no. The publisher was like, you know what? You do you. <laughs> or they're like, oh, it's 1,100 pages. Our, we are not reading that. Just put Basically, it out. Basically, right? He probably threw it in there and went, is anybody going to read this? And they're no. like, what's it about? A clown god. Okay, great. Put it in. Oh, god. Yeah. <laughs> and a turtle. Don't even get me started on the fucking turtle. I won't, because we already been there. <laughs> <laughs> and not even the universe liked it, because it was like audio was like <laughs> the whole time. So. Right? See it now. Anyways, but what I really liked about, let's just, I'm just going to go back to the movie, was the way that nothing, like I said, was creeping around a corner. No. Nothing was hiding. Nothing was especially dark. But they when she tension. absolutely when she would leave and he would go try to f- get around the house because he, sh- he she eventually gives him a wheelchair mm-hmm. and he's able to kind of get out. He finds a bobby pin and picks the lock. You kind of see her in town and driving and you're like, get the fuck back in your room. Like, like you're dude, on the, she's going to kill you. Yeah. You're on the edge of your seat the whole time because I my thing was like. She, it's not that she's going to kill him. Like, yes, that's the end game here. She's going to hurt him. what is she going to do to him? Mm-hmm. Because I, like, watching people get hurt is one thing. But watching people re-injure major injuries, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just like, Bleh. Like, especially right. beating his already broken ankles and, like, dropping shit on his broken legs. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine? Like, first of all, you're not taking, in the movie, he wasn't taking his pain medication because mm-hmm. obviously he didn't want to get hooked on him and dependent which he pretends to be at some point to get her sympathy right to get her to leave and get her more pills but the amount of pain and lack of medical care and i mean it is just a brutal fucking movie Mm -hmm. and kathy bates and this performance i mean she won the oscar for it so obviously it's good as she should yeah absolutely and so she just goes from hot to cold to crazy to sweet so well. And it's very seamless and it's believable. And there was no part in the movie that took me out of the movie and made me feel like this is just a movie. Mm-hmm. Because it was just so yeah. gripping. And you even find out that she's a serial killer. Yes. She keeps this memory book of these newspaper articles. Her husband's dead. Mm-hmm. She becomes head nurse at a NICU and then all of these babies end up dying and then she gets charged Mm -hmm. and let go. (laughs) And she does that multiple times. Like, you'll see an article of brand new amazing nurse gets hired on right next to an article of dead patient, dead baby, dead who knows what she did. Death at this hospital. Mm -hmm. So she's very proud of the fact that she gets hired on and then kills people. Mm -hmm. 
Nice trophies. Exactly. They are. Yep. They're right next to all her her books by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And she even, like, they even have a candle at dinner together. And this is when he tries to drug her mm-hmm. by putting all the crushed up pain medication into her wine. And then she spills the wine. And you're like, again, on the edge of your seat. And you're like, yes. Mm-hmm. And then she knocks it over. And you're like, no. <laughs> you know, because yeah. obviously you're rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Because he's the victim here. And another thing that I wanted to bring up was that there were a lot of really famous male actors up for this part. Mm -hmm. But this, not that he was a no-name, but he was a much smaller actor than some of the ones they had on the list. Mm -hmm. Ended up getting the part. Because men. (laughs) Because they were going to have to sit in the bed and they were going to be second to her. That's it. You'd have to deal with that. And even so... He's still, I think it's James Caan. Mm-hmm. He still acted amazingly. From oh my God. From a, a, a bed and a yeah. wheelchair. He did amazing. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to display those emotions. If you're a really good actor, you'll take that part. Mm-hmm. Because you know that you can be convincing even if you are confined. Literally, not just like mostly to one room in one position the whole time. Yeah. And we haven't talked about them yet, but um, the other thing I love that was in the movie, and I don't think in the book, there's a sheriff and his wife, yeah, and they are the so awesome. Yeah, they're really cute. They're really cute, and they're really good comic relief, and it wasn't, like, they're cheesy, like, as people, but it really worked mm-hmm. for the movie. And the sheriff, the feds are involved. Obviously, this is a huge high-profile case because this is a very famous author, And the feds are involved, and they're like, oh, he's dead. There's no way he survived. But the sheriff is like, somebody pried that door open from the outside and has him. Right. And so he's not convinced that somebody doesn't, you know, somebody's hiding him. And figures out, because this is a really small town, that Annie Wilkes has randomly bought paper and buys every single one of his books the day it comes out. Like, And so he goes to confront her and to make a longer scene short finds him mm-hmm. and Annie kills him which is really yeah. sad because you never see like his wife find out or anything yeah which kind of happens in the book this guy the guy in the book doesn't have like a name really or any of that so you don't have any backstory so you don't care about him as much but yeah a sheriff no not a sheriff just like a random cop I think finds him like he's just checking farmhouses around to see if anybody has seen him there finds him Annie kills him Mm-hmm. And then the feds come looking for this guy that died. And yeah. that's how they get caught. And in the movie, she says, you know, well, now this one's come and the rest of them are going to come. So now we need to kill ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the whole time she's been making him write another novel mm-hmm. to correct when he killed Misery. Right. And so he says, it's almost finished. Let's finish it. And then we can die together. Because I love you. He's just, he's playing on her to get what he wants and needs. And so that night he finishes the book and beats her with a typewriter. Yeah. And wins. Which is pretty good. Yeah. If he would just hit her more. I know. (laughs) He can't keep going. He like does it and she's like incapacitated for a little while. And he does the same thing like that Jamie Lee Curtis did in Halloween where she's crying on the stairs and then Mm -hmm. he sits up. Yep. And he leaves her and crawls away and then of course she's on top of him again and then she he smacks her again and she's dead but the gore in this movie it can be brutal it's not really gory like bloody there's like a little Mm -hmm. bit towards the end but just the brutality Mm -hmm. of what she does to him in this movie is almost poetic like it's It's incredible super freaking gory though in the book i advise 
people to read this one. It's not the best book in the world. It's passable. Honestly, if you want me to give it a rating, I'd give it a two or three. Mm-hmm. But in the book, it is way more gory. Like, so when uh, his ankles are broken, she cuts one of them off. Ew. And then when he still isn't pliable enough to her, he says something offhand that he doesn't even think is wrong. And she cuts his fucking thumb off. And mm-hmm. it's just constantly that. The sheriff that I say, or the cop that came over to find him, mm-hmm. she stabbed him with a random like piece of wood over and over and over and then when he lived and crawled towards his truck she ran him over with a lawnmower face first dude <laughs> bro face first some sinister shit dude. that's where sinister got it huh right <laughs> wow yeah it's definitely crazy in the book you know i'm kind of glad they didn't do i i want to read the book i probably will especially because it's not like 1100 pages like it was mm-hmm. but i kind of like that the movie didn't do that because they were able to first of all more people are gonna see it like yes it's brutal but it wasn't a gore fest. Mm-hmm. And especially in the 90s, there were some things like we had already had Cannibal Holocaust and right. like some really gory things that were just gore fest. But this one is much more nuancey to me. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit deeper than that. And I think had they gone in that direction, it would have taken away from the performances a little bit of Absolutely. just the actors and Kathy Bates. Could you, you know? imagine Kathy Bates running someone over with a lawnmower? It would be almost comical. I feel right. like she couldn't do that and be as serious as absolutely she was. i totally agree and as as scary like the tension because you don't know what she's gonna do like yeah. she could come in and be one way or another you know she's crazy but i think if she was like running somebody over with a lawnmower you would just think that she's gonna go to those you'd like, be like oh my fucking god yeah. instead of going oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god what's yeah. she gonna do mm-hmm. yeah you'd be like what the hell and I really like that this is a very, it's an anxiety-inducing movie, but it's not to the point where you're, like, sick over it, mm-hmm. you know? I think it's a very good balance, and it feels very artistic to me. And it also feels very, because it's in a cabin in the snow, I love watching this around this time of year when it's gotten chilly outside. Yeah. And See, you thought I was crazy, matching movies up with fall or summer yeah. or, see? And I'm starting, especially when they're like, there's that much snow on the ground. It's like one of those that you just want to like cuddle. It's one of those that you just kind of want to cuddle up to and let's watch Misery. <laughs> or honestly, like The Shining when it's snowing. Yeah. Have the fireplace going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I you think. You should really watch Storm of the Century. You'd love it because it's like that. Oh, yeah. Anybody out there, you should watch Storm of the Century. It's a mini series that Stephen King wrote the script on, not the book, so it's better. Well, now we're getting into that time of year. Mm-hmm. It's November, and mm-hmm. we're in the pit of fall. We've had October, so now we're really gearing up to, like, winter. Exactly. And so you get to do some of these, like... Mm-hmm. I know this is only horror fans are going to call this movie cozy, but these cozier movies... <laughs> Basically, right? But they are. It, misery definitely is, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And I just love it. I love Kathy Bates. I love everything that I've ever seen her do. The only character I didn't like wasn't her fault. She acted it well. I did not like her in American Horror Story Apocalypse or whatever that season was. Yeah, it was weird. But we didn't actually watch that season because... That's true. We watched the first, like, three episodes of that season. And then accidentally... Yeah, so we watched the first three episodes. The third episode ended, and we were, like, watching them in order. Yeah. Obviously, that's what you do. And because the show was already out and we were re-watching it, 
we go to watch episode four and it picks right back up where the last episode Same left scene. off seamlessly. And so we watch it, we watch it, we watch it. And then at the end, we're like, what the fuck? And we realize we just accidentally watched the finale. Yeah. So we missed all the middle like stuff. Like six episodes, five or six episodes. Still have no idea what happened. Nope. Hopefully we'll pick it up eventually someday. I probably but, won't. Okay. Then I'll rewatch it by myself. But <laughs> Yeah. It, I still want to know how many shows do that, where you don't even need to watch the middle crap. You can just <laughs> <laughs> go from this one to the end. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't really like her character in that, but I just didn't really like the... That one was just a little weird for me, and maybe it's because I missed the meat of it, mm-hmm. essentially. But I didn't really like her character in that. But again, she acted it very well. It wasn't her fault. I loved her character in Roanoke. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Roanoke... A lot of people hated it. My favorite American Horror I Story season, Roanoke. other than Asylum, I think. I like Coven and Colt. Those are my favorites, but Roanoke is right up there. I really Great liked one. it, yeah. Nothing to do with Misery. Well, <laughs> Kathy Bates, but that's about <laughs> it. But I like seeing her in horror again. That's really fun, because she's really good. The last tiny little thing I want to talk about in this episode is very lame, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> in the very beginning of this freaking movie, he finishes writing his book and he's heading down the mountain and it had just snowed and there's... In a Mustang. In a Mustang, speeding down. Dude, you are going way too fucking fast. On mountain You're going to die. Second, why the fuck... He's like whipping around corners in this Mustang, almost dying, and then his manuscript, which is safe in the car, keeps sliding along the seat and he keeps moving it. Let it fall. It's in the fucking car. It's safe, dude. I promise you. Just maybe don't die. Well, he didn't die. He may have Uh, rather died. Right? And at the end of the movie, you can obviously tell it's fucked with him. I think it would fuck with anybody, even if in the movie he wasn't as affected as far as like Stockholm Syndrome as he was in the book. There is a woman, because he's written about his experience, obviously, because he's an author. So obviously Mm -hmm. he's probably going to. A woman at a restaurant walks up to him with, like, a dessert cart and is like, I'm your biggest fan. And he sees her face. And so he's clearly traumatized. And that's really the note that it leaves you on. Because in the he talks about his daughter and her birthday, but you never see his family. You don't really get any backstory. It just kind of cuts to a couple months later. They also don't exist in the book. His family? Mm. He was married and divorced, like, years ago, but that was it. Oh, okay. I think they did that to make you more like, oh, he's got mm-hmm. a daughter. He needs to get out. You know, root for the character a little bit yeah. more. And so clearly it has traumatized him. He's not above being traumatized by this. And he's still going to be haunted by her pretty much for the rest of his life. And I almost wonder, like, yes, our survival instincts can be strong. You get into that adrenaline mode and that fight mode. And then, you know, you can survive like he did. But then you have to deal with the emotional damage. Obviously, in his case, the physical as well. But the physical can be fixed to an extent. Like, he walks with a cane, but he's walking. Yeah. And sometimes I just have to wonder, and this is a little dark, if I would have just rather died. Mm -hmm. Because, like, even dealing with, like, normal, normal depression and anxiety is, like, climbing a mountain mentally. And, like, I have PTSD surrounding, like, one event in my life, but it's not something that rules my life. It's something that happened a long time ago around a death. and, And sometimes that is still hard, but having that kind of trauma in PTSD and all of that. I don't know. A part of me is like, like I've said it before, I don't even think I'd want to survive. Mm-hmm. Like in some of these cases, like just kill me fast and yeah. be done with it. Well, it's he's even more fucked up in the book because he knows that she died, but at the same time, his imagination keeps coming with these scenarios. Not just that one, but ones where she has murderous intent. Not just walking up with with a tray of food. 
she's like hiding in his apartment to kill him yeah and he freaks the fuck out and almost has like a heart attack he is fucked up i bet and that's the thing where i'm like do i really want to live like that if it's i'm gonna have to be in like an asylum Mm -hmm. and watched do i really want to be that for the rest of my life or for the next 20 years or 10 years or whatever i mean i feel at some point he'd probably take his life it's real dark, but probably. I mean, that or literally have to be in an inpatient facility working with psychiatrists and psychotherapists every single day for months, years, yep. every single day. Yep. Because I think you have to, to face that kind of trauma, you have to be that intense about it. And that's why I'm like, if the apocalypse ever happens, I'm out. Deuces, <laughs> zombies, nuclear war, mm-hmm. doesn't matter, I'm out. I don't yeah. want to. So that's a great note to end on. I would like to die. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Yep. Uh, I'd give this one a 5 out of 5, honestly. Absolutely. 5 out of 5. Kathy Bates, you're amazing. Love you. Yeah. Good job on the Oscar. Mm-hmm. I know you're listening because we're buddies. Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you guys for joining us for this episode, episode 50. Again, can't believe we've made it this far. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Stay tuned for episode 100. If you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Exorcisters Podcast. We are on Twitter at The Exorcisters. You can find us on our website, which is exorcisters.com, and you can always email us your thoughts, opinions, or recommendations at theexorcisters at gmail.com. And next time, houses don't have memories. Until then, stay creepy.